Well, it's nice to be back in uh, Fort Worth Press. Gary and I have been staying home and watching it on YouTube or whatever, and um, we missed we missed being here, but at the same time, we keep being told, be careful, be careful, because we're not young anymore, and we're very vulnerable. So uh, that's what we're doing. We're doing everything from home. But it's nice to be with you. All right, shall we pray before we begin? Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that this morning you would open our eyes to see from it what you have to teach us. I pray that it will transform our hearts. And we look to you to help me as well as I seek to communicate the things that you have given me to say this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, when I was given this topic on the heart, I kind of smiled Because I don't have too many health issues, thank the Lord for that, but I do have a heart issue. You see, I have a pacemaker. Sixteen years ago, the doctors decided that I needed a pacemaker because when I wore a monitor for 24 hours, they found out that my heart was only beating 16, 14 beats a minute. Yeah, kind of serious. And so I... They said, you need a pacemaker. And I said, well, uh, when? I'm going on a trip tomorrow. They said, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and they, they brought me in and put in the pacemaker. And so consequently, I look after this physical heart uh, because uh, I want to be healthy. And so every six months, I go to a cardiologist, and I love it. When he looks at me and he's, they've checked the pacer, they've asked me questions, and he says, everything looks really good. But you know, I have another heart, and that's the one that's not beating inside my chest, which also needs regular checkups. And it's the one that from which flows, as it says in Proverbs 4.23, the springs of life. So what about the importance of the heart in the Bible? Do you know that the heart is mentioned 725 times in the Bible? I looked them up. And I think it's important to God. And since then, every time I've been reading the Bible now, I've noticed, wow, it does show up a lot more than I had realized. So when you're reading your Bible, notice that. And though the... Old Test, even the Old Testament and in the New Testament, they don't seem to differentiate between the physical heart and the soul and the mind or the spiritual heart. They pretty much lump them together as one and regard it as the center of all of human life. So what about the heart? Well, it's the seat of emotions. You know, this week in our Bible study, We saw a few of those uh, expressed. Some of them are the heart can be proud. It can be angry. It can be envious. Or it can be glad, happy, or joy-filled. Those are positive emotions. The first were negative. And in chapters 15 and 16 of Proverbs, 
you will see a lot of these different kinds of uh, emotions described. Some of them that I pulled out are a fool's heart, a glad heart, a sorrowful heart, a heart that seeks knowledge, a cheerful heart, a rejoicing heart, an arrogant heart, a wise heart. And in Jeremiah 4.19, it talks about the agony of heart. And in Lamentations 5, a mourning heart. So those are all emotions that our hearts, our hearts uh, express or feel. Also, the heart is the center of will, purpose, intentionality, and decision-making. And this is a very important uh, role the heart has. You know, our heart's desires determine the paths that we're going to take. And it's the center of our will and thinking that drives us. One writer put it this way, because the heart controls all of life, it is the key to personal success or failure. Proverbs gives us lots of instructions about uh, wise and foolish actions. And it also wants us to know that the underlying attitude of our hearts is what's going to determine which path that we take, which choice that we make. Here's some of the admonitions coming from Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. And in Proverbs 4, 4, and verses 20 and 22, it says, Lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them. Heart problems can lead to harmful choices. Throughout Proverbs, like I said, you see wise and foolish choices, and it's our hearts that will determine which way and which choice we make. God also sees our hearts. Proverbs fifteen eleven says, Death and destruction lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of men? Would not God have discovered it? This is in Psalm forty four twenty one. Would not God have discovered it since he knows the secrets of the heart? And David said to Solomon in First Chronicles twenty eight nine nine. The Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Kind of scary, isn't it? (laughs) And it was said of Jesus, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. But not does he not only see, he also cares about the condition of our hearts. In Genesis, we even read all the way back in Genesis 6, 5, and 6. He says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then check this. And it grieved him in his heart. Way back in the beginning. 
God was not happy when he saw the condition of man's heart. You know, we may be able to fool people some of the time, but we can't fool God. He knows what's going on in our hearts, and he cares. So much so that he tests our hearts. So here's an example that we have of that. In Deuteronomy 8, 2, it says, of the Israelites who had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. If you remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, does God know whether or not we're going to keep his commandments? Of course he does. But, For our benefit, he still puts us through circumstances and trials in our lives to test or to reveal, I think, the quality of our faith in him. And not only that, not only does it reveal that, but it also is that which helps us to grow in our faith and it strengthens it. In Proverbs 17.3, it says, The crucible is for silver and the furnace for gold. And the Lord tests the hearts, tests hearts. So silver and gold have to go through very intense heat to purify them. And God puts us through purifying fires as believers as well from time to time. But I don't know, have any of you had any purifying fires in your life lately? If he has, I know you know this already. It's for a good purpose. It says in James chapter 1 that we are to count it all joy when we go through those things. Because he has a purpose for them. And not only that, they also help to mature us in our spiritual walk. These are growing pains that are really, really painful. But they're so worthwhile in the long run. Proverbs 21, 1 and 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Now, all of us, uh, the, the heart reflects who we truly are is the next thing I wanted to mention. All of us have met people whom, when you've just first met them, you think you know who they are. You make a decision about whether... You know, they're great or they're not so great or whatever. And then when you get to know them, you spend time with them, you hear them, you're around them. Many times your opinion changes. That's because, you see, we are prone to do what the prophet Samuel was told by the Lord when he was selecting a king for Israel in 1 Samuel sixteen seven. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And in Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen, I think you had this verse in our study this week. As in water, face reflects face. So the heart of man reflects the man. It's like a mirror. When you see a person's heart, their thoughts and their desires... When they express them, then you see the true person. And you know, what's inside will come out over time. (laughs) 
You know, you can try to hide uh, things about yourself from someone, but if they're around you very long and get to know you, then uh, they, they will really find out what you're truly like. Sometimes you can even see in a person's face without a mask. You can see what they're experiencing or feeling, can't you? Uh, some of the things that Proverbs, in Proverbs twelve twenty three, it says, The heart of fools proclaims folly. That tells you something about a person's heart, doesn't it? Proverbs twelve twenty five: anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Haven't you often looked at someone and you just knew? I've seen this even in a food store or something, a checkout person. And I think, I wonder what's going on in her life by the way she looks on her face. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. Or a glad heart makes a cheerful face. How refreshing it is to see, to meet someone with a glad heart. A man's heart guides his mouth. That's scary. But that reveals, doesn't it, who we really are. Their hearts plot, this is Proverbs 24, 2. Their hearts plot violence and their lips talk about making trouble. And in Matthew 15, 13, it says, For what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And Luke 6.45, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So what's building up in your heart? What do others see when they really get to know you or me. You know, uh, when I learned about the physical condition of my heart, I decided to do everything that would protect my heart to live a healthy life. And so what did that involve? Well, part of it would be like healthy food, being careful how I eat, faithful exercise, and some medications that I take. And I'm careful to do all of those things. And every six months, this is why I want to do them, because every six months when I see that cardiologist, I love it when he looks at me and he says, everything's looking great. But what about my other heart? How am I looking after it? What am I feeding it? Junk food, perhaps? You know, Satan's crafty, and he loves to plant thoughts and desires and ideas in our hearts that seem perfectly harmless, but they're designed to bring us down. And they could be all kinds of things. They could be just little doubts about God's word. They could be things that cause us to distrust God. Maybe, does God really care about me? Or lies about ourselves and our worth? What's wrong with me? I've heard people say that a lot. What's wrong with me because of such and such? Or being dissatisfied with our present circumstances. 
you know, there's so many things that can steal our joy if we allow it to brew inside our hearts. And Satan loves it when we do that. Now, you can say, you might say to me, well, Alice, I can't stop that thought from coming there. It just comes. No, but you can. And I'll tell you why. My mother told me a long time ago, she said, Alice, you can't stop the birds from lighting on your head, but you can keep them from building a nest there. And she told me this when I was going through a period of deep depression. It was after my first year. I graduated from college. It was my first year of teaching. And I was halfway through, and I had to leave because of this depression. I couldn't even think to talk to the kids. And so I was overwhelmed with negative, fearful, untrue thoughts that just captivated me. And my mother taught me to throw that one out and in its place put something that was true from God's word. And I'd come back and say, I did it, but it just comes right back. She says, do it again. Do it again. Keep doing it. And, you know, she helped me to replace my negative, scary Uh, untrue thoughts with things that were true from God's word. It tells us in Ephesians 2, this this is the practice of it, actually. I'm not Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. Put off your old self, which belongs to our former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what my mother taught me to do every time a distressing, depressing thought came to my mind. And you know, that was the beginning of healing. So, when the junk food of, your, of the heart creeps in, we can replace it with what is true. And do what it tells us in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Take captive every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. And if you're like me, you'll have to do that often to keep from ruminating on lies. Well, good food for the heart, of course, is the very things that you're doing. You're studying God's word. Uh, faithful reading of it, memorizing it, meditating on it, listening to Christian music, coming to worship, uh, uh, reading Christian books, fellowshipping with real, true believers, people who are really following the Lord. All of that is good food for our spiritual hearts. So what are you feeding your heart these days? The truth of God's word, or doubts, lies, or dissatisfactions with life. To faithfully exercise takes discipline, doesn't it? (laughs) I know probably some of you in here are people that like to exercise. Um, 
And it's the same way with exercising our spiritual hearts, too. Um, Making sure we spend time in God's word and in prayer, but also obeying what we're learning. Uh, James tells us, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. (laughs) Do what it says. Obedience is in my mind, the exercise of the spiritual heart part of it. Jesus was our primary example. You know, when he, he used God's word at one of the most trying times in his life, when he was tempted by the devil, he used scripture every single time to answer the devil. And you see, if we don't have that truth, already hiding in our hearts, as it says in Psalm 119.11, then our defense against the devil and our own sinful nature is going to be weak. Tim Keller put it this way. When you are in moments of pain or shock, the things that come out of your mind and your mouth are the most primal things in your being. And when Jesus was in such moments, out came the words of the Bible. And Keller even points out that even in Jesus' deepest moment of deepest distress, he quoted from Psalm 22 when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's in Psalm 22. He he quoted from Scripture. And so for us, when we know Scripture and we're able to process our thoughts and feelings, um, through what is true, then it's going to be much harder for Satan to take hold of us. Uh, Several months ago, I uh, found found myself nurturing envy, one of those things we talked about in our Bible study this week. I was envious of a situation or a circumstance in another person's life that was not true for me. And I fed it. I thought about it. I talked to Gary a little bit about it. And I just got more discontented. And joy seemed to creep away in a lot of things. Because I just couldn't understand why it wasn't true for me. I wanted what that person's circumstances were. Situation was. And... There was a lack of peace and joy brewing in my heart. Then at the same time, by the way, here all this is going on, but I'm discipling students, international students that we work with at TCU. And one of the girls and I are uh, memorizing scripture together. And so I decided that I wanted to review some old scriptures that I had been working on (laughs) several years ago, actually. But I had the packet of them and I got them out. And do you know what one of those verses was? Proverbs 14.30, the one you've read this week. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Wow. That was exactly what I was doing. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of that. And I thought, I have to change this. Lord, help me. And so... He led me to uh, choose, rather than to dwell on that envious thought, 
to, in its place, put something for which I could be thankful for about that situation that I wished was different. And there were a lot of things that I could be thankful for. And so I started doing that. Every time that envious thought came to my mind, I just say, Lord, I give that to you. Thank you very much for, and then I would tell him why. See, I was putting into practice another commandment from Scripture that says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And that brought healing, so much so that it rarely raises its ugly head, and but it does. I cast that thought on the Lord, and in its place, the very thing my mother taught me to do, which, you know, I did it so faithfully then, partly because it was so scary. <laughs> Sometimes some of these other things aren't quite as scary, and so you tend to nurture them instead of deal with them. Tim Keller also says this, according to the Bible, the heart is not just the seat of the emotions, but also the source of our fundamental commitments, hopes, and trust. And from the heart flow our thinking, feelings, and actions. What the heart trusts, the mind justifies, the emotions desire, and the will carries out. If Satan can get you to consent with your mind to a God of loving grace, but get your heart to believe that you got to do X, Y, or Z in order to be worthy, lovable, and valuable, he will be most satisfied. I don't want to give the devil a foothold, do you? So let's remember, as we study this book, what Lindsay Wilson points out, and that's at the bottom of your note page there. He says, Proverbs has much to say about our outward actions, words and actions, but this is all based on our hearts being informed, reformed, and transformed. May God give us an undivided heart as it says in Psalm 86, 11. Let's pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.